everyone. Welcome to Exploit It. I'm Alexis Jowski. I'm Kevin Daly. And this week we're talking about the movie Joyride from 2001, directed by Roland Dahl. If you had a car, you could pick me up in Colorado. We could have an adventure. You know, the two of us. You'd want that? How far would you go for the girl you've always wanted? Sexy choice. Vintage 1971. How much would you do for a brother in need? Thank you for coming. You're welcome. Thank you. I'll drop him off in Denver. I'll see you tomorrow. Breaker one, man. This is like a prehistoric internet or something. Can you do a woman's voice? How much fun <laughs> could you have? Hey there, this is Candy Candy. Who's this? Rusty Nail. And if I were there, Rusty Nail, I'd make you feel good. This is turning me on. When the joke... I'll be at the Lone Star Motel. What room? Room 17. I can't wait. This is awesome! Is now on you. We had a little incident here last night. The victim was staying in room 17. What happened to him? Ripped his jaw clean off. This fall. Are you guys ready for an adventure or what? Everything you say. Candy cane. We saw what you did to that guy. You pathetic, lonely freak show. Will come back to haunt you. You really should get that fixed. Get what fixed? That tail light. Everything you see is going to terrify you. Everything you hear. Who's the pretty girl? He's watching us! Is going to drive you. Go, go! Over the edge. Don't leave me alone! Please! We'll do whatever you want! I want you to to head inside naked. So how does it feel to be the freak in the room? Why'd you do it? It's just for fun. Just for a laugh. You don't feel like getting together in a motel later. Room 17. Do not be one minute late. Don't open the door! Don't open the door! So you still good or need me to drive? I'm sorry, John Dahl. <laughs> that would be pretty impressive, yeah. given the uh, time the time shift. Yeah, my notes said make Roland Dahl joke, and I was like, I don't have a joke. <laughs> but uh, you made it somehow anyway. By accident. There you go. Sometimes accidents are are better. No, John Dahl, I guess he's a director that uh, liked working with the neo-noir genre. Yeah, yeah. You could see it in this movie. In the yes, movie, yeah. The Last Seduction is pretty notable. I've, I've seen, that seen that one. Is it good? Worth watching? It's okay. I mean, it's got Linda Fiorentino and Bill Pullman fucking. Okay. Well, I mean, I like I like those actors. And it's he directed Rounders, the high stakes okay. poker game one. Yeah, I'd never seen it, but a lot of people really swear by that one. And, you know, episodes of Breaking Bad and Dexter and that stuff, you know. So he's, he's got, he's got you know, a nice uh, functional workman uh, sort of filmography there. Yep, and it's all kind of within a genre. Yeah. So Joyride opens with our boy Paul Walker again. 
Well, it helps with glaucoma vision. Oh, yeah, it does. As we hear uh, CB radios. Right. It's just it can credits. see precisely fuck all. Yeah, it's just blurriness and breaker, breaker, one, nine. Uh, yeah. Any, any smokies? Pretty bad intro, I'm not gonna lie. And then we have Paul Walker on the phone with his girlfriend, who's... Sort of girlfriend? Love interest? Yeah, a girl that he likes, that he's been friends with, that he's he's comfortable in the friend zone. Right. Oh, but, this movie, by the way, written by J.J. Abrams. Ah, uh, old J.J. Abrams. I didn't notice any lens flare. Oh, he didn't direct it. He didn't That's direct it. no lens flare. He just wrote it. And somehow Paul Walker got into Cal, but go Bears. Yeah, because he's in Berkeley, and he's talking to his... What, what do you call the girl when you're in a friend zone? I don't know. His crush? Oh, and for those of you who don't know, I went I went to UC Berkeley, so that's why every time a Cal character comes up, you'll hear me say, go Bears. And I went to school in Colorado, but not at Boulder like Lily Sobieski here. Yep. She's at University of Colorado. Yep, in Boulder. Presumably. <laughs> yep. Real schools, actually good schools. Yes. So, not dumb kids, though. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't know that from how they're behaving. Oh, well, Paul Walker plays Lewis. He's thinking with his dick. He obviously is. And Lily Sobieski plays Venna? What kind of yeah, name is Venna that? Yeah, Venna is a... I don't know. That sound, definitely sounds like something a Gen X parent named their kid, though. And she's, like, just broken up with her boyfriend? With For some really flimsy thing about knowing her too well? Yeah, and Lewis is like, oh, I gotta get with her, now's my chance. And she's like, I wish I had a car to go back home for the summer. And he's like, haha, sell my plane ticket or whatever and yeah. buy a shitmobile. I have a car! And I'm like, are cars yep, rare you. in this world? That having one is a big deal? I, I will say, as someone who went to Cal, having a car is actually a liability. It's nearly impossible to park there. Yeah, and... He doesn't buy a car. He buys a boat, a 1971 yeah. Chrysler Newport. Yeah, I mean it's 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 technically a car in that you can drive it on the road. Yeah, it'll take up the whole lane and goes gets about like mile and a half per gallon. And this one's beat as shit. Yep, it's not your typical Paul Walker speedster. No. And this is the same year that Fast and the Furious came out. I would like to point that out. And also in the phone conversation, Fenna drops the, the line like, Oh, your brother's in jail again in Salt Lake City. <laughs> so he drives from Berkeley to Salt Lake City to pick up his brother, played by Steve Zahn. His name is Fuller. Uh, Steve Zahn's playing Steve Zahn in this movie. He absolutely is, the entire time. That's the note I have. Steve Zahn is a character. I literally didn't even write his name down. I just referred to him as Steve Zahn the rest of the time because the the truth is that's just Steve Zahn. And here's the first of my um, geography lines. Uh Uh-huh. You mentioned this to me. So he goes to Salt Lake City. He takes Berkeley to Salt... From Berkeley, he goes to Salt Lake City. Saying, yeah. we're running late to get to Boulder. This is like 200 miles out of my way. But it's not. It's not. If you were driving to Colorado from Berkeley, you would take I-80 directly to Salt Lake City. 
Right. And in Salt Lake it's City, like you a would, straight shot. Yeah. Right. And in Salt Lake City, you would change probably to go south towards I-70, which is not what these people do. No. For some reason, they decided to go the fuck up through Wyoming, and I don't know why. Yeah, they take I-80 halfway all the way through Wyoming. Because, I mean, my my Colorado geography is not great since I left there, but I think Boulder is closer to Denver than Fort Collins, right? Yeah, it is. So why would you come in through Wyoming? And also, you can get to I-70, which is way closer to Boulder. I mean, we drove, because we, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Alexis and I used to work together We when I lived in Colorado. And um, when we moved back, we drove that route. We drove from where we, where we lived uh, in Florence, Colorado, near Pueblo, and uh, drove up to Denver and drove across through Salt Lake City and in then we went down because I live in Southern California now. But every time I go out to visit, we would drive down through New Mexico and Arizona. I did, I've done that route too. Uh, the Utah route's very pretty. Anyway, we're off topic. No, we're topic, so sort off of, topic because we're talking sort of because we're talking about how awful their geography, uh, their decision to drive is. Yep. And so, on his way to pick up his brother, Lewis is pulled over by a cop that points out that he's got a broken tail light. Foreshadowing. Yes, huge foreshadowing. And there is actually an interesting pun later regarding that that light, because when Lewis says he's running late to pick to Boulder, he mentions that he's picking up Venna, who Steve Zahn refers to as the blinker. Oh. As in that <laughs> she would blink all the time, but it's also kind of playing off his broken the tail light. Tail light, yeah. So I guess at some point, Lily Sobieski's character had a some sort of facial tick when she was younger. And Steve Zahn is being a dick, as usual. So one thing here is they buy a CB radio. Why? I don't know. I mean, they're not really that fun. <laughs> Still do that to this day, though. You stop at, like, a, a big, like, truck-style gas station on the road like in the middle of nowhere you can still buy those fucking things yeah but why would you good question some people like it well yeah obviously steve's on likes it yeah and he gets a thrill and he gets on it right away as they're driving right past the state line into wyoming right and he knows all of, like the lingo so. he does and he's asking about smokies and the cop says you got to Clear, he's like, we're headed eastbound on I-10. And, you know, the cop says, oh, you've got a 40-mile stretch to Jamestown with no cops. In Jamestown, there's a Kojak with a Kodak. (laughs) It's a cop with a, presumably the radar gun. Yeah. But looking at the geography, Jamestown, Wyoming... Way more than fucking forty miles, and not even on their route at all. They're just now. I think, I think now J.J. Abrams is literally just making up city names, or he's just like he looked at a map once. Yeah. Oh, Jamestown is a common name. That's a city in Wyoming, I think. Uh, yeah, let's do that. So they come across chatty truckers, of course, just on the CB, and they take on the handles Black Sheep and Mama's Boy. And, uh, it 
It's Paul Walker, his mom, his boy, and he asks for a better name, and he's told no by Steve Zahn. No. Yeah. And Steve Zahn, being the brother that's in and out of jail, Black Sheep, is quite appropriate. <laughs> yep. And I think he refers to the CB radio as the prehistoric internet, which, accurate. Yeah. Because Steve Zahn has this brilliant idea that they're just going to prank people. And do some catfishing. Yep. And so they have Paul Walker do a girl voice. And it's fucking terrible. It's terrible, but some trucker falls for it. It's not sound like a great idea that do that with truckers. Like, it just seems like... Like, even outside the context of this movie, it seems like it's a bad idea and you're going to get your air ass beat. Yeah, and so he's all in there pretending to be Candy Cane. So far, this movie is basically the plot of a lap dance is so much better when the stripper is crying. Oh, it is, you know, and speaking of which, <laughs> that is one of our uh, commercial break songs. Excellent. <laughs> uh, well, and I... And in A Lap Dance is So Much Better, he's hauling hog to Shaky Town on I-10. That's right, exactly. It had been a while. In fact, 365 had come and went since that midnight run hauling hog to Shaky Town on I-10. And goes by the name of Russell. It's <laughs> a good song. Well, they get Rusty Nail as their, 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 their catfish bait pulls him in. Which. That should be, like, red flag number one. The dude's handle is Rusty Nail. And he is voiced by Ted Levine. Yeah. It's actually quite good, what he does here. He very much sounds like Buffalo Would you Bill. fuck me? Yeah. I'd fuck me. <laughs> and so they're just... So good. He basically just sounds straight up like Buffalo Bill. It's like, why are you fucking with this dude? Yeah. He... And they, um... I'm make a skin suit out of you. So, Lewis, he's just keeping up the candy cane bit, and they start in with the, like, oh, I'd like to imagine somebody right next to me. You know, I, I'd hold you close. What would you do? And Rusty Nail goes, I, I don't know. I'd take off your bra. <laughs> and just the way he said it just cracks me up. Just, it cracks him up, too. Yeah. I'd take off your bra. We're going to stop for a commercial break real quick. Breaker 1-9, Breaker 1-9, this is Rustin Nail out here looking for Candy Cane. Last I heard, she was headed out westbound on I-10. I said I'd take off her bra, and I still mean that. Candy Cane, why'd you have to play me like that? After I bought you that pink champagne and everything, darling, there's a man in Table Rock, Wyoming now that's missing his jaw, cause of you. That's how much you mean to me, Candy Cane. That's why I'm out here looking for you, and yeah, you do sound kinda like Paul Walker making a kinda girly voice, but that's okay, Candy Cane, ain't none of us perfect. So if you're listening, just know I'm out here looking for you, and I won't ever stop. Over now. And we're back. So they don't catch up to him again later until night. They, I guess they lose reception with Rusty Nail. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah, they do. 
they check into this town, this motel, the Lone Star Motel in Table Rock, Wyoming. Table Rock, Wyoming is an actual city that exists. Okay, Abrams saw a map once. Yep. Has a population of 82 as of the last census. I don't even think they have a motel there. They might. They might have a truck stop. I don't know. Now they do because of this movie. (laughs) Yeah, this movie just put it on the fucking map. Literally put it on the map. They got a whole 82 people now. (laughs) I wonder how many they had in 2001. And Steve Zahn goes to check him into the hotel. The motel. Yeah. Holiday Inn. Yeah. And there's this asshole there. Um, male Karen. Yes. Wow, this guy. Which I've heard people call Kevins before. That makes me very sad. Yeah, but we can't call them Karens and then say, oh, well, we can't use Kevin. <laughs> that's true. I just called them Darren, I've heard before. Oh, Darren? Oh, that's good. I like that. Because it rhymes. Yep. Sorry, any Darrens out there, but the rhyming is pretty cool. His name is Mr. Ellinghouse. This guy's a, a, a colossal shit, shit heel. No, he's, Racist as fuck. He's mad because every morning somebody knocks on his door and asks to clean the room. Which, you know, happens at motels. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Unless you put out the do not disturb sign, then they don't knock. Do you think Darren Ellinghouse knows that? Hell no. No, he's yelling. Or he doesn't give a shit. He just wants to yell at the the help. And the help is, he's not, is he Indian? or I think so. I think he's Indian. Well, what matters to Darren Ellinghouse is that this man's not white. And he right. just worries about. him about that. And he pushes Steve's honor, or yeah, he pushes Steve's honor yeah, out. Yeah, he a bit. just body checks him on the way out. Calls him a fucking punk, and and then goes off to his room, number seventeen. Yeah, and Steve's on salty. That's that's is reasonable. Yeah, and when he gets back into the car, they they're in room sixteen, which happens to be next door to seventeen. Yeah, that's just math. And um. They hear back from Rusty Nail, who's just on there. Candy cane. Candy cane. He's so obsessed with this, like, one fake girl. And he's driving all around southwestern Wyoming with his radio going, Candy cane. Candy cane. Dick in hand. Yeah, and it's so hard to polish the one I had weeds while you're doing That's an right. 85. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Never thought missing children could be so sexy. That's right. <laughs> you cannot imagine how difficult it is to hold a half gallon of moo juice and polish the one I go for when you're doing 75 in an 18-wheeler. I never thought missing children could be so sexy. Did I say that out loud? I fucking love that song. It's <laughs> such an evil song. It's horrible, but it's, that's what I'm getting for you. Speaking of horrible, they set up a meeting with Rusty Nail. Yep. To bring this pink champagne, come down to um, the Lone Star Motel in Table Rock, Wyoming, room 17. Yeah, figured that Steve Zahn figures he's going to get back at our, our Darren by uh, sending the trucker into the room. Yep. And, you know, that makes Rusty Nail happy. He's driving the well, yeah, way. at the moment. <laughs> He's driving the whole way there. Boy, take off a bra. That's right. Let us see some boobies. 
Because this is 2001. It's not easy to see boobies on the internet yet. You no. can, but it's it's slow. And you didn't really have mobile internet, so if you're a truck driver, you had to wait until you finished your whole run to, to look at the internet. Yeah, that's right. So he's gonna go see. Some, he wants. To, he's hoping to go see some boobies. Yep. Some booba, as as the kids call it these days. And so Lewis and Fuller are just in their room watching TV, and then they hear Rusty Nail pull up. Is this the? No, no, no. This it's the. Fuller puts on the porn later, right? Oh yeah, that's much later. That's later. Okay, I can't. It's this. There's several scenes in hotel rooms in this movie, so that isn't the broken as fuck last half of Act Two that we'll get to. Yeah, we'll we'll get to. Yeah. Uh, but this scene actually is fucking well done. Oh yeah. Kids, okay. It's intense. <laughs> I'll forgive the cliche that it's a stormy night, and so you hear all the the rain and the the lightning. Yeah, and when you got the classic. Go harbinger of change, rain washing everything away, shit's about to get real, you know. Um, they've got, Fuller and Lewis have got their ears against the wall, and in between them there's this picture of a storming seascape. Yeah. And as the scene gets more and more intense, it just keeps zooming in on this picture. And it's just full of menace, and all we're hearing is, well, we hear Rusty Nail go next door, and... Darren is like, who the fuck is knocking on the fucking door? And you hear sounds, and it's pretty obvious Rusty just fucking murdered this dude. Yeah. And now Lewis and uh, Fuller are in full-on panic mode, and Lewis calls the cops. and Fuller's in denial. Well, Lewis calls the front desk, and the front desk guy calls the room. Yeah, and they just and, listen to the phone ring. Right, and, and and Rusty Nail picks up and says everything's fine. To the, I, and, the, and to be fair, he, the guy at the front probably heard a different voice, but probably didn't give a shit. He wasn't going to check on this dude. And people on the phone sound a little different than in person. And maybe he thought it was the dude's boyfriend or so. Who knows? I don't know. So then they... They leave. Then, well, the next morning, the police are there. Yeah. And you have this delightful sheriff. He is a weirdo. He is so weird. He's talking about the incident last night. There was a victim, this Mr. Ellinghouse. They found him, and it wasn't Cumley. Yeah. It's got some weird. We have some interesting camera shots in this in this scene too of the of the cop. It's very. It's kind of trippy. Mm-hmm. But he says it wasn't. It's not bad. It's good, but it is trippy. Like, it wasn't comely what was done to him. And they're like, I, I don't know what that word means, is what Lewis, the one that's in college, says. Yes. And he's like, well, what were you doing last night? Let me refreshify your memory. Yeah. This guy was having a good time. The cop. Yep. And he takes Playing him this character. to the hospital to see... Mr. Ellinghouse, and they ripped his jaw clean off. Yeah, Rusty fucked him up real good. Yeah, and... Technically still alive, but in a coma. And then they get to the police station, where we learn that Lewis has cracked and explained the whole prank. And the sheriff is not happy, because what 
they really did a fucking shitty prank. <laughs> and but the cops complaining about having things to do though, and it's just like, dude, that's kind of your job. Like, not that these kids should have been doing any of that, but don't complain about having like cop stuff to do and you're, <laughs> you're a cop. But also, technically, a person wouldn't be dead if these kids hadn't pulled a prank. He's technically not dead in a coma. Yeah. In a coma. Without a jaw, though. With no jaw. I mean, I'm not saying it's a good situation. He's gonna go through his life unable to speak. It is one more thing to add to his plate for stupid reasons. I don't know, man. Like, the whole prank is so dumb. Again, why are you fucking with truckers? Whatever. Steve's on the idiot. And that Darren was already gonna give that hotel a a one-star review on Yelp. This only makes it worse. Oh, you may not even get a chance. It might save him the one-star yeah. review on Yelp, because the guy may not come out of that coma. Yeah. Yeah? Again, yeah. though, I'm sure that the uh, our, our night manager gives no shits about this dude having his job off. Yeah, good. He can't talk any shit anymore? Good. Can't say anything racist anymore? Excellent. And the cop gives them an ultimatum right out of an old-fashioned western that I want you out of Wyoming before the sun goes down. And I literally wrote, I'm still confused why they went through Wyoming, though. Yeah. And, you know, there there's a lot of conversation that Fuller and Lewis have about the ethics of the prank they pulled. Right. Or Fuller's like, yeah, don't worry about it, man. It was just a fun prank. And Lewis is like, we put a dude in a coma. With a missing jaw. <laughs> yeah. And it's at nighttime, and they get this, um... They hear on the radio, Candy Cane! Candy Cane! And... You know, so they 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 make the mistake of talking back to Rusty Nell again. Right. And they they admit it was a prank. Right. And, and he, so Rusty wants him to apologize. Yeah, and they're like, no, no. Well, Steve's, on a, is a, Steve's on a fucking idiot. Yeah, he's like, no, we ain't gonna apologize. And he's like, well, you should fix that. Fix what? Your tail light. And that's when they realize he's following them. He somehow found them. At this point, I realize this movie... Maybe it's kind of a take on Duel. Very much. I that I have that in my notes, too. And that this it, is it's very a, Duel. Yeah. Which is cool. I mean, don't get me wrong. That movie has not been done much. <laughs> this, this isn't an archetype that's been pred very often, so... And they stop for gas and for um, Lewis to call the police in Wyoming. Yep. And a truck parks and the guy gets out and he's in the store and Fuller's absolutely convinced that this is Rusty Nail and they scramble out and get in the car and like this is a scene straight out of Duel because there's the scene where the guy goes to the diner and he's trying to figure out which is the trucker stalking him and yeah exactly and the, you know he got all the paranoia now every single truck could be could be him now yeah and it's this dude in an ice truck and he runs out with like a fucking tire iron yeah. Running after I mean, that. I don't understand. I still don't understand why Steve's on. Just going to apologize for being an asshole. Rusty literally dragged a dude till his jaw fell off. Seems like the least you could do is offer a yeah, my bad. They didn't find him in the motel room. No. They found him on the interstate. 
on the median. So it's not yeah, this like is not he good just times. got mad and tore a dude's jaw off. He went all out and fucking butchered this dude. But Steve Zahn's a fucking idiot. Which is the theme of this movie, let's be honest. And they turn down a dead end. And this truck is advancing on them. And the, guy, the trucker comes out and they're like, oh, no, no, no. Fuller. No, Lewis says, I have a gun. Where the trucker goes, I have your MasterCard. You left it on the counter. Yeah. And they're like, we'll oh. Without her. Yeah. Well, that was American Express. Oh, that was American Express. Man, my joke doesn't land. Ah. And so they're all relieved. <laughs> oh, he's a nice truck. But what was the thing you're counting? That's just my tire iron. I had to, you know. I was checking my tire pressure. Uh, tire pressure, pressure yeah. Like and, um. They're like, oh, okay, that's good. And, you know, they're all relieved. He's like, is it the mustache? I'm going to tell my wife. I was, I was, I sh- my wife's telling me I should shave it. Yeah. And then he goes back to his truck, and they're all happy. And then fucking semi just runs through the back of that ice truck. I know. It's, it's yeah, it's a scene. It's intense. And it was like, holy shit, yeah, I put there that that, that was neat. Yeah. And... They get stuck on a tree route. Yeah. And Rusty Nail drives his big old Peterbilt up and is, like, about to crush them. And finally Fuller gets on the radio and goes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We were only joking around, I'm sorry. And Rusty Nail goes, I was only joking around, too. Goodbye. Yep. And they drive away. They fix the taillight. They throw out the CB. And um, for the longest yeah. time, this is the shitty second act. Okay, I'm not the only person who thought that the second act was actual shit. It turns into a completely different fucking movie. Yeah. And I'm like, was Rusty Nail only like one part of their journey that this is just a different movie and we'll never hear from Rusty Nail again? Because after Rusty disappears, it's at this point... I don't know how long we're into the movie. 50 minutes? The uh, movie takes the time to remind us that Lily Sobieski is, in fact, still part of this movie. Yeah, that's my <laughs> note, too. Lily Sobieski is still in this movie. Because <laughs> they call her up, and they're like, yeah, we're, we're got held up a little bit, but we're going to be in Boulder. And they go down to pick her up, ready for adventure. Yeah. And they meet... Says, says- goodbye to her roommate yes that's kind of relevant in a minute her roommate what was her fucking name again i don't know i have it written down a million times charlotte charlotte okay charlotte because at first i'm like why the fuck are we meeting this woman yeah it is relevant yeah it it eventually but other than just for steve zahn to flirt with because yeah steve zahn likes to flirt with and then all of these girls Lewis and Venna, they're, they're like old buddy-buddy in the front seat. They share a hug, and it just turns into romance road trip movie. Yeah, and it's bad. It's bad. Like, it's like we literally have like 30 minutes of filler here. Mm-hmm. Though I will – there's there's one scene where they well, – uh, Lily Sobieski wakes uh, Paul Walker up and goes, Welcome to Nebraska, and I, and I would probably start crying. That will yeah, and 
Apparently, they're driving all the way to New Jersey. That's a long-ass drive. Yeah, that's like a good part of their summer wasted. This obviously isn't spring break. Yeah, I mean, that would be... That's at least... How how long is that drive? Like, 40 hours? Well, let I want to say from... Let me look it up real Berkeley quick. Berkeley to... Like, but even from, like, Denver to Jersey. I don't know where in Jersey, but... Buy car insurance now. Look, I know I'm not Flo from Progressive or some talking gecko, but please trust me on this. Joyride Car Insurance is the only brand of car insurance that will help you in ways that Progressive and Geico just can't. How many times has this happened to you? You and your friend are playing pranks on the CB radio as you drive through Wyoming. Only you've pissed off a heartbroken trucker who decides to total your car and kidnaps your friends. Flo from Progressive, great as she may be, won't cover this damage to your vehicle. And you certainly can't expect that other company that advertises itself with lizards and cavemen to do a damn thing to help you. Only Joyride Auto Insurance provides, oops, I pissed off a psycho coverage. So you can go out there and bully truck drivers all you want confidently knowing that any damage they happen to inflict will be fully covered with Joyride Auto Insurance. Did that trucker you punked take your girlfriend away, blow up your Chevy? Don't worry. You can file a claim in minutes and be worry-free. Your girlfriend is most assuredly dead in some cheap motel, but you don't have to pay out of pocket to replace your car. And that's really what counts. That is Joyride Auto Insurance guaranteed. Call today. It's a long ways. It's well. That's also from Berkeley to New Jersey. Is the whole forty-eight states? Yeah, I don't know. That's a long drive. I mean, look. I mean, I get it is Lily Sobieski, all right. I mean, that's cool and all, but that's still a long drive. Yep. And especially with your shithead brother trying to get you killed. Yes, because Lewis is awful. And they're all in a bar, just having a good time. And apparently, both Steve Zahn and Venna know how to tie a cherry stem in a knot with just their tongue. Yep. And I was like, where did they get all these cherries? They're drinking tequila, because they keep ordering shots of tequila. Maybe it's just, like, a thing on where, who knows. It's It's a Nebraska thing? I don't know. Yeah, I literally wrote, movie is sagging here in the middle of it. Yeah, and some rude guy comes up and tries to hit on Vena, Vena, whatever her name is, Lily Sobieski. Yeah, it's just, yeah, I think it is Vena. And and she politely declines just as Paul Walker comes up to save her. And it's like, is this your bitch? Is this your bitch? You need to shut your bitch up. And Lewis is like, um, I, huh? Because <laughs> Nebraska. Yeah, and that's when Steve Zahn saves him, and he comes up, and he's like, you bitch! And he's just like, he's screaming at Lily Sobieski. I, I will say this was well played. It was well played. He's like, you goddamn fucking mouthy bitch, get your fucking ass in the car, you, you know, he's yelling at her and dragging her out of the bar, and I'm like, well, well played. And... Fuller decides that he likes Venna now. Well, I mean, 
Why not? <laughs> and so he kind of tries making moves on her, and then he waits. That's when they watch the porn, by the way. Yeah, now they're, now they're in the hotel room. Watch. Meanwhile, uh, Paul Walker's passed out. Yeah, and he wakes up to the phone ring and has, um, well... Which, yeah. which would be the worst thing, thing you could possibly have when you're hungover. Yeah, Steve Zahn has, meanwhile, picked up some more alcohol and is partying with Venna with the sole intention of getting in her pants. Right. She's talking about some philosophical, we're all alone out here, man. Nobody could find us, even if they wanted to. Yeah. And then, meanwhile, Paul Walker answers the phone, and it's Rusty Nail going, I thought you said there wasn't a woman. Yeah. And he's like, Venna and Fuller are shacked up in the room next to you. What are you What are you going to do about that? And the fact that he knows all this. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. He knows they're brothers, too. I don't think this was ever actually a topic that was broached. And then they don't know either how he knows this. And it's before easy access to the Internet, so it's not like he could have Googled them, hit up their Facebook, and figured it out. Yeah, it's like he kept following them and was probably at that bar with them. Yeah. Exactly. He had to have been, like, watching them closely, like, the whole time. Yeah. And so they, you know, Lewis freaks out. He's running next door, knocking on the door. Does not even really acknowledge that Fuller was hitting on his girlfriend. Like, he, he, he mentions one thing about, like, what were you doing in there? Oh, oh, never mind. There's more important shit. <laughs> Which is true. There is more important shit. Yeah, and so they have to kind of tell... Then uh, what what they did? Right. They got a look in the trunk of the car, and that's when they're panicking and everything. And in the truck of the trunk of the car is the CB radio they threw out. Right. And so they hook it back up, and we discover that Rusty Nail has kidnapped Charlotte, the roommate. Yeah. And we're like, oh, that's why we had to meet her. Her yeah, to, exactly. For her to scream over a radio, and we know who she is. And so Rusty Nail's like, you're going to do everything I say, or I'm going to kill her. And I want you to go to this diner, and I want you to go inside and order 12 cheeseburgers, but do it naked. And they pull up to the gas station, and the gas is $1.32 a gallon, and I cried. Oh, yes. We'll get back there someday. <laughs> um... But no, they they do this. They go in naked. And they leave her in the car. And they go. Tommy, my wife pointed out some tan lines. They're just there, hanging dong, no problems. And they just go up, and they're like, "We would like twelve cheeseburgers." And, and the waitress, without a beat, missing a beat, just asks them if they they want fries with that. Yeah. And, like, the sheriff of this town comes up and is like, is this some sort of frat prank? And it does seem like the kind of thing that would be, like, frat hazing, right? Mm -hmm. And that's when Rusty Nail starts talking to Venna yeah. on the, the radio. It's like, now they know what it's like. Now they know what it feels like to be the butt of a joke. And she's like, yeah, they're kind of shitty. What, what did they do to you? Oh, why didn't... Right. So they go... They're still in Nebraska, so their next meeting is in a fucking cornfield. Surprise. I mean, it, it tracks. <laughs> it tracks. They go out to this cornfield, and, you know, 
Rusty gets in his truck to try and run him down. Because it's like, you have to go 100 feet away from your car. And there's just so much damaged crop, and I feel bad for that farmer. Yeah, I put on here some poor farmer. I know, that poor fucking farmer. Because he's just barreling all around in this core, and they're hiding. He gets his spotlight out to find them and drives around more. And even, like, beyond the whole, like, oh, all these corn stalks are destroyed, like, that truck's probably dripping all sorts of oil and chemicals and just, like, making the land fallow. It's going to be terrible. Unless the, the, the farmer gets out and is like, Honey, crop circles! We had <laughs> aliens! Well, I mean, that's possible, too. We're rich now! That's right. Lewis, like an idiot, leaves Venna alone in the corn where she gets kidnapped by Rusty Nail. And they they run back to the car, and the car explodes. <laughs> in the Michael yeah. Bay fashion. Because he set the car on fire while they were running around in the corn. I, yeah. There's a lot of things that Rusty Nail and, like, he teleports, I guess. Because the way yeah. they knew to check the trunk is because he spray-painted it on all the rest stop signs. Yeah, this second half of this movie is, well, let's get to the end and I will, I have some thoughts. And so they decide, instead of calling the cops, to steal a car. (laughs) In a pretty funny scene. It is, because he's, Fuller's trying to hotwire the car and it's not working, it's not working, and some drunk guy from the bar comes out and he's like, Oh, you gotta turn the engine off, and you gotta try it this way. Try it this way, and he finally—he's just trying to—he was just trying to be super helpful. Doesn't realize they're jacking the car, and the car starts, and he's like, "See, there you go. It works every time." Yep, and I you, enjoyed that scene actually. You do get the guy, the other guy, running out of the bar, going, "That's my truck, you motherfuckers!" And we get yep. the scenes of Rusty Nail and Venna in the hotel room, motel. They're in some motel, right? And, the, and Rusty had told them to meet in room 17 at some hotel in the city. Yeah. But there's like a billion hotels, yeah. hotels in the city. It's like the Vegas Strip. Of motels. Yeah. yeah. And um, <laughs> there's one thing with the subtitles that pissed me off. Oh. When he's taping her up, it says electrical tape ripping. And then but it wasn't electrical tape. It was packing tape. Yeah, it was packing tape. And actually, it's plastic, because in the making of the movie, they would have been ripping this packing tape off of Lily Sobieski's face over and over again. So they used, That would just be a waste. They used plastic wrap to that make it look like packing tape. Yeah, it worked. And... So they they run around, Lewis and Fuller run around to every single Room 17 in fucking Little Vegas, Nebraska. Yeah, that's right. It's more like Little Laughlin, really. Yeah. (laughs) Let's be honest. It's like, it's not even like B-tier Reno, it's like C-tier Laughlin, and then worse than that. Well, we're not far from Branson. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. (laughs) That's very true. They finally get to the right room 17, and it's empty. Because what we see, Rusty Nail sets up this huge fucking trap 
where he's used the tape on the door handle and a shotgun right to Venna's face, where when they open the door, the shotgun will go off and blow her head off. Yeah. And you have a little bit of suspense as they're opening the door to room 17, and oh, it's empty. Because he's actually right next door, like they were when they pulled the Like they were, yeah. And Lewis at least has the foresight to go, hey, we're probably going to be fucking killed when we go in there. We need to check this out first. So Fuller runs to the back of the hotel to check through the window, and that's he sees the trap set up. But Rusty Nail catches him, drags him in, and puts his hand over his mouth and goes, this is going to be fucking hilarious, watch. Yeah. As he's trying the doorknob and trying the doorknob. And, oh, I don't have a whole lot of notes here. Um, the police... Uh, Steve Zong gets impaled in the leg. Yeah, he gets impaled in the leg as he tries to escape. And the police show up and they find out that uh, Rusty has murdered the fucking night watchman at this hotel. Yep. And Probably just to steal the keys and, and fucking whatever, yeah. And so the police are like, check every room, and they're just kicking in every single door as they're like, counting backwards to 18. So there's a lot of good suspense there. Yeah. And you know, Lewis makes his way around to the back and comes in and saves Venna just in the nick of time as the police busted, and the police immediately think that he's killing her because, you know... Right. It's she's wrapped in she's wrapped in tape, plastic and, and he's standing right next to her. Right. And Lewis is outside screaming. So he's like, That's my brother, we gotta save him And that's when Rusty just barrels through with his truck right through the entire fucking motel. Yeah, no shits are given anymore by Rusty here. Yeah, and I'm like, is this hotel made of paper mache? Because it just crumbles under this truck. It's just adamantine truck, it's fine. Yeah. And dead body in it, so they're like, oh, okay, he's dead. We're, the movie's over. They Charlotte's, like, in the sleeper bed of the cab. Alive, uh, and somehow not hurt. Yeah. Oh, they, Even though the truck just barreled through like a billion things. Yeah, they have her sitting on the back of the ambulance just like with a band-aid. Yeah, well, like I said, adamantine truck, it's fine. And they, um, they're sitting next door in the ambulance and they have the CB radio on and they hear Rusty Nail just talking about rain, watching shit away. Just like the beginning of the and they realize that Rusty's alive. Oh, it's also because they um they ask about the dead body that was in the truck. They're like, "Oh yeah, it was some guy that worked for that drove a truck for an ice company." And so Rusty just jacked that body, kept it, and put it in there. Yeah. It's like, "Ha ha, I got away, suck it." And I'm just like, "Oh, kind of clever." The end. <laughs> yep, that's it. Ending sucked. Yep. I mean, the movie's so good for the first about half. I know, up until the point where, up until the point where uh, he lets them go, it's like, oh man, this movie's super tense. It's got good pacing, good build, and then and then it just shits the bed. I yeah, I don't know what they were trying to do with it. I was reading that they had some cut romance scenes with both of the characters of Venna. So that's why she sort of looks interested in both of them. Oh, there, um, there would have been some threesome? 
I don't maybe. <laughs> I I don't know. And then like I they completely it, rewrote the ending when they add their budget, so Well, and it's just like the whole second half, now it's he's like this super it, he's become like a like a like a magical slasher villain, right? Yeah. So he's just he's able to do whatever, he goes wherever he knows everything, he teleports, he gets into fucking shit, whatever. And he gets away in the end of the movie. Haha, ha, sequels. Ah, 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 sequels, which they did make some shitty sequels. I know they made a second one. They made a third one, too? Yeah, I, I know. Two other Joyride movies. John Dahl. Apparently had... they were... Oh, sorry. Well, I was going to say John Dahl had nothing to do with them, I think. Nope. And uh, apparently there were four endings that were filmed for this, or at least storyboarded. One involved him just dying in the truck. Truck. One involved him getting arrested, and another involved him like having a water tower collapse on it. it turns out it would be too expensive to do, so they should. And then they went with the worst ending. I mean, if they wanted to set up for potential sequels and have this ending still be like satisfying, have him be arrested, and then they want to make a shitty sequel, just have him escape. Boom. Yeah. Uh, apparently, rusty nails in part two. Yep. Stalking kids on the road again. Oh, yeah, in part three as well, Rusty Nail, blah, blah, blah. Just trying to turn him into another, you know, slasher villain and failing miserably. Yeah. Because you can't force this shit, you know? No, you can't. Either your villain is, you know, light, you know, able to... And the thing is, what makes the what makes the movie in the first half work, of course, is we don't know who the fuck this guy is. Yeah, we never really we never know s- who the fuck he is. Right, we never see him at all, though, in the first half. He's just this, like, phantom, and it works really well. And then, whatever. And look, I love Lily Sobieski, but her scenes in the movie don't really add anything. Oh, they completely weigh the movie down. Yeah, it's just, it, it wanted to be a different movie for a while. And that kind of got back to the whole, you know, killer trucker thing. But then it was too far gone by the time that happened. And then when the movie ended and the credits are rolling, Amazon pops up with uh, recommended movies like this, and it recommended Taxi, the fucking Jimmy right. Fallon, <laughs> Queen Latifah movie. Which is just bad from beginning to end, like, rather than just bad at the end. Well, yes, I suppose if the only thing you take away from this movie is that people were driving in a car, I don't this is another movie that's super disappointing to me, right? Like, it has the potential, had the potential to be really good. Yeah. And then Peter's out at the end. All it needed was to not have fucking this Lily Sobieski's character. No, no fault of hers. It's just... I mean, she could be in the movie as like a minor character that serves as kind of the catalyst. You can have phone calls. Well, maybe like a couple more phone calls as shit gets more and more real. And. And Lewis is freaking out more and more. And or maybe they arrive in Boulder and she's missing. And Yeah, I mean, there are things you could do in this movie without having the, oh, uh, love triangle random shit in the middle of the movie. Yeah, it just so wore the movie out. And still, cut the Charlotte character out entirely, have him having kidnapped her instead and set up the whole thing. Yeah. Suddenly it's a much better movie. I mean, because Steve Zahn and Paul Walker were carrying it pretty well. Yeah, they were doing great. They had really good chemistry, you know? They do. But then you throw Lily Sobieski in there, and it's just, everything falls flat. And the truth is, again, as much as I, I love her, uh, she doesn't really have chemistry with the leads in this one. Yes. 
She doesn't. You know, it, and it's just like, it just, it just doesn't work. I don't know. It's disappointing. We have reached the end of our surprise Paul Walker month. That wasn't, didn't start as a Paul Walker month, but just kind of became it a Paul Walker month. It just became a Paul Walker month. <laughs> I think, well, we started with Paul Walker, I think we, it was with Fast and the Furious, right? Yeah. And we go, and then we had a discussion about Tammy and the T-Rex, and it kind of just went off the rails from there. And we just decided, let's just do Paul Walker for the whole month. Uh, right. it, was, it, was, it was a fun one. So join us next month for Lily Sobieski month. And there, there are options there. Actually, I mean, I scheduled a couple. We do have the remake of. Uh, yeah, that that is scheduled for months from now. There is a not a whole month of Lily Sobieski, heaven's no, but just two movies in a row. Yeah, well, we have in the name of the king, Dungeon Siege. Yes. You could. Uh, there's there's some options here. She seems like a lovely lady, <laughs> but uh, she's been in some shit. But next week we are back on track with our exploitation stuff as we go to black exploitation with Dolomite. Some classics here. Yep, Dolomite with Rudy Ray Moore. And uh, well, what's what's the uh, what's what's Bender? It's like I'm half Dolomite, baby, or whatever he says. <laughs> episode where he goes down. Dolomite's insane. Um, it's going to be a fun episode. So that was Joyride. 2001. Hope you enjoyed it. Big special thanks to Charlie McMullen and Martha Page for recording the advertisements heard in this episode. Make sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you like what we do, make sure to leave a review and let others know. Help get the word out. For more episodes, check out our website, exploititpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter, at PodcastExploit, or on Instagram, at ExploitedPodcast. Or contact us at exploitedpodcast at gmail.com. Join us next week for Dolomite, motherfucker. That's right. <laughs> Never thought missing children could be so sexy. Did I say that out loud?